It's go time for BYU football. They are in full steam ahead mode for their matchup with USF to open the season. Had a great opportunity to speak with BYU assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Ed Lamuel here on today's show. And we'll also take a deep dive on the analytics of this matchup. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making us here on Locked On Cougars, your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around these parts is your team every day and across the network. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Big thank you for your support, as always, of this venture. Our goal here, simply stated, is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room by giving you all the news that you guys need to know about on a daily basis. All right, uh, by way of introduction, but real quick for any of you who may be checking us out for the very first time, my name's Jake, and my day job, I'm the executive producer of DJ and PK for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I spend my off hours and a lot of other time doing this podcast and absolutely love what I do. All right, let's dive in today and talk BYU football. Obviously, it is just full steam ahead for this BYU football program as they get ready for their season opener at USF. And uh, there's a guy on Twitter, his name's Parker, he's at Stats O'War. A number of you on Twitter probably have seen his work, and he does what he calls some uh, deep dive analytics on matchups for the various football games around the country each week. And he did uh, his week one previews. He threw out all the graphics for all the different games in week one. And that's where I want to start on today's show and take a look at what he predicts for BYU in this matchup. So I'm going to share this screen. We did this yesterday on the podcast. Hopefully it works for a second straight day. Here we go. Hey. Hey, there we go. We got it. All right. So uh, this is an interesting setup here is because he lays out uh, exactly what he's expecting to happen based on the analytics he has at his disposal. And obviously, there's a lot of names here, EPA margin, echo rate, uh, RROE here, all of this stuff. Let me just be very clear with you guys, very frank. What this is, it's a predictive analytic model that is supposed to predict how often a team or in the match in the matchup which team is more likely to win based on a number of factors. As you will see right off the top here, the win probability up in the upper left corner over there, and if you happen to be uh, listening to this on the regular podcast formula, on the regular podcast format uh, out there on Apple Podcasts, etc., he currently has BYU with a 78.33% win probability. It's it's a high, high number. Uh, for uh, I guess for a comparison's sake, Utah State, a game that BYU will play later this season, they're playing their week one matchup at Alabama. I think they give Utah State somewhere like in the 1% chance to beat Alabama. Not all that surprising, but this is a very healthy number for BYU. Projected points, he's got BYU scoring potentially as many as six touchdowns in this game as compared to USF with a 21.67% win probability with 29.69 points. So he's actually predicting, based on his analytics, a fairly high scoring affair between the Bulls and the Cougars. But the biggest thing, when I looked at 
uh, what Parker had put out there on his Twitter feed is that on these analytic numbers, he's got EPA margins, expected points added margin. Uh, if your number is here in the blue, and you guys can go to Stats of War on Twitter. I also retweeted this on my Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch. I think we also sent it out on the Locked On Cougars Twitter feed as well. Uh, anything in this graphic that is in blue means that you are uh, above average, and the darker blue you are, the better you are. And you see, you see the numbers here. So EPA, expected points, added margin. BYU's 24th in the country there. Whereas, look at this, USF, EPA margin, 114th out of 131 teams. All of these numbers that go into this, this is how Parker goes about analyzing and ex- and trying to figure out, okay, what is the expectation for BYU? I've had a couple of people reach out to me this week saying that, Jake, I'm concerned about BYU and their ability to hold up against a team they don't know a ton about. And I was out of practice. Uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday night, actually shortly after I got back from practice. And the expectation from BYU is that they're going to have to go into this game facing a lot of unknowns. There's a number of transfers into this USF program. Coach Aaron Roderick acknowledged that. He also talked about the fact that they have two new uh, coordinators that they're going uh, preparing to face off against both the offensive and defensive coordinators at USF are brand new. So there's a whole lot of unknowns for BYU going into this game. But I think the biggest thing that I took away from the comments from A-Rod in particular was that it sounds like to me he's fairly bullish on BYU just going into this game, playing their game on offense and having success doing that. Now, the offensive success rate for BYU here, look at this. Offensive success rate, and once again, they have currently BYU as the number 5 team offensive success rate, 16th pass wise, but number two rushing. This BYU offensive line, a lot of these numbers are, by the way, are based off of last year's last year's stats and all that stuff. So this is all based a lot on what last year's production for BYU was. The biggest thing is, who's to say that this offensive line isn't better than it was a year ago? Who's to say that Christopher Brooks is not more than an adequate replacement for Tyler Algier? And just by the fact there's a better offensive line in theory, it should give Christopher Brooks, maybe he's not necessarily the same caliber of running back as Tyler Algier. Maybe he has a few more opportunities to break off some big runs. And I can tell you this much, the coaching staff at BYU absolutely loves Christopher Brooks. Now, the defensive success rate for BYU, on the other hand, on this metric, is not good. 112th overall. 113th, I believe. Um, I'm double-checking this. Yeah, 113th in the pass defensive success rate. 102nd in rush. Those numbers go back to last year. We saw towards the tail end of last year, BYU's defense, it really, really was not all that great. I think the biggest thing that I am expecting is these numbers to rebound defensively for BYU. Uh, I don't expect them to be in the bottom tier of the nation. The good news is, uh, once again on this, there's a whole lot more blue here for BYU in terms of being in the upper echelon of college football. Whereas USF, I see only one very faint blue mark in this. A lot of it is red. If you're red on this chart, that means you're in the lower half, if not the bottom tier of college football. Folks, I don't know how to say any other any more clearly. I think that 12-point uh, favorite status for BYU, according to our friends over at Bet Online, I think it's actually pretty accurate. I think BYU should go into this game feeling fairly confident in their chances of winning this contest. And I, I'm not ready to lay out my score prediction. We'll probably do that on a Friday edition of the show. Actually hoping Friday, by the way, just a little teaser ahead to catch up with Will Turner uh, from 24-7 Sports covering USF on a day-to-day basis. Hoping to have him on the show on Friday as a little bit of a, of a primer for this matchup. I guess a, a scouting report in a way of the USF Bulls, and I'll probably give you my score prediction then, but 
the more we get, uh, not the more, the closer we get to this matchup, I'm feeling more and more bullish on BYU's chances and the chances that BYU really takes care of business. Now, let me acknowledge one other thing that could play into this matchup that is obviously needs to be discussed, and that is the concern that weather could play a role in this game. If rain, as it is in the forecast all week long down there in Florida, this is going to be the same thing for a program like the University of Utah, who's just up the road in Gainesville, uh, taking on the Florida Gators, is that rain is one of the great equalizers in games like this. A team, based on this, they're projecting that uh, USF has a 21.67% win percentage opportunity. If you have turnovers, if you can't hold on to the ball, balls uh, slip out of a quarterback's hand, a ball uh, glances off a wide receiver's glove, tips up into the air, is picked off. Turnovers in the weather can absolutely be game changers in a matchup like this. I think it is absolutely critical, and I'm sure Kalani Sitake, Aaron Roderick, and the rest of the BYU staff is pounding it into the heads of their offensive players in particular to take care of the football. Conversely, the defensive coaches, to their credit, are probably preaching to the guys, it's going to be wet most likely, strip that ball, try and get it out, get it on the ground, get the turnovers, get the ball back for our offense. I think that if BYU goes into this game understanding it's a business trip, they just need to take care of their business, I actually, like I said, I'm very bullish on BYU starting the season 1-0 here. And I guess this is not necessarily the the litmus test that you want it to be because you got a huge matchup the following week in the home opener when Baylor comes to Provo, and we'll obviously get get to that uh, next week here on the show. But right now... I think the BYU is in about as good a position to go 1-0 on the season, and that's the most important thing is starting the season with a win, as they have been in some time. Uh, by the way, also one other note on this, Aaron Roderick did mention to the media uh, that it sounds like he said there's one to two players that he's still not 100% clear on if they will be available for that matchup at USF. I think just uh, reading between the tea leaves, or I guess reading the tea leaves and reading between the lines, I kind of mixed, mixed and uh, matched my metaphors there, but... I think the biggest thing is you can kind of point to, I think those two names, the two players in theory, I think are Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua. Now, my gut tells me, and based on what I understand, uh, just kind of kind of feeling things out, I think one of the two plays. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say at this point, I haven't talked to enough people, I don't really have any intel on that right now as to if it be Puka and Gunner sits or Gunner plays and Puka sits. I, I'm just, my bet, if I, were, if, if I were putting money on this, is that one of the two BYU wide receivers of Gunner Romney and Puka Nakua play in this matchup, and that's what I, I would expect going into this. The good news is, outside of that, BYU is about as healthy as they ever have been going into a week one matchup. They have had very, very few injuries in training camp. Dallin Holker was dinged up earlier on in camp. Uh, he was moving around pretty freely when I was, saw him uh, walking around yesterday. There's no wrap on his knee anymore, so I expect that he's full go. It sure looks like BYU is about as close to 100% health team-wide as they have been in a hot minute. So that's a very, very positive sign for the BYU football program. All right, coming up here in just a moment, though, had a great opportunity to catch up with BYU assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and safeties coach Ed Lamb. Talked a lot about special teams, talked about preparations for this game in general, and also about his safeties position. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Bet Online, one of our great sponsors here. They are your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Check it out, my friends. BYU, as I mentioned, a 
12-point favorite. Originally opened as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. It has slid down just a touch for BYU, but they're still expected to handle their business down there in Tampa. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easy way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events is at BetOnline. You can check in on the MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. I'm wearing my Cougar cap today. By the way, folks, I don't wear a lot of my BYU gear on a day-to-day basis. This hat, though, it's one of the BYU baseball caps. It has quickly become like my, my favorite hat to wear. Uh, it's so comfortable, and like I, uh, my wife, I was my wife's like, well, you kind of gotten used to wearing all your hats on on these broad on these broadcasts, these YouTube channels, and like I said, if you're listening to this on the regular podcast uh, v- variety, you're not necessarily seeing this. But th- the thing about it is, I absolutely love. Uh, wearing my BYU gear when I get the opportunity. And this is one of the few places I get to wear that. And so it's fun to wear this. I, I told my wife, maybe I should just like be like, start my shows and say, the Cougar cap comes on and the podcast begins or some random, it sounds stupid, but we can workshop it. It might be not be a bad idea. And maybe we can workshop that with a guy like Clark Barrington, who, by the way, Clark is going to be on the show tomorrow, uh, his weekly appearance here on the podcast. I guess another teaser ahead should be a fun uh, close to the week here on Locked On Cougars, getting you ready ahead of that USF matchup. But now time to let you guys hear from Ed Lamb, uh, BYU assistant head coach, as I mentioned, also coordinating the special teams for the Cougars, as well as serving as the safeties coach. We started out, and I asked him the question, uh, with regards to the new coordinators that USF is throwing out there this week, and just a lot of unknowns for BYU, is there any comparison to Arizona a year ago when BYU was going up in a similar circumstance against a staff they didn't know a ton about? Here's what he had to say. Yes, we, we know. I mean, the, the game has just gotten smaller with, the, with, with video being so available. So we know the coordinators that are new there. We know what they've done in the past. We know what the head coach has done. It, it really is a, a more of an educated guess. And then I think there's a, a large part of every team that during fall camp, you, you just play against your own offense and you ask for a lot of different variety and your offense does the same, ask for a lot of variety on defense and prepare for everything. Your safety group has always been one that's rotated fairly decently. You seem to play four guys pretty consistently. Is that something you're planning on doing this year? Uh, for certain, in this in this early game uh, in Florida, with the with the humidity and the weather uh, like it is, we, we you know we're not we're not trying to manufacture some type of uh, environment here where we can say okay now we can go play 80 plays in 90 degrees and 90 percent humidity. Uh, what we want to do is develop as many players as we can to play as many snaps as we can. If uh, if a player's going to hurt us out there on the field, um, they can't be in the rotation, and so hopefully we have as many guys ready as possible to to take the load off of each other. What one am in the starting job opposite of Malik? Uh, most consistency uh, out of the strong safety group. A big part of that is experience. We've had, you know, if we were making the decision today, it would it would be a lot closer. We might say there's just going to be a more of, a, of an even rotation and play their way through games. Um, Ammons maintained his level of consistency. Consistency. I'm super excited about what he's going to do this year. But there are there are some other guys that are right there and pushing for playing time. Michael Harper made the transition to playing safety. Why why make the move? I guess A, it's a kind of two-parter. Why make the move and what have you seen from him? Yeah, the the move is certainly to play him at safety. I, we think that's his best long-term potential on the team. He did suffer some minor injuries that slowed him down during training camp. He's also still learning the position. I anticipate that we'll see a ton of Michael Harper at safety this season. Where's Malik improved the most in your mind? 
Uh, well, what, what I see, his practice habits have changed. He keeps a lower body position. He's responding to the run reads uh, better and uh, still consistently, you know, clearing the play action pass like he did last year. So I expect that he's going to play the, the post as well as he did last year, but also be able to come down and get involved in the run and be a sure tackler. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The way you made it sound on the coordinator's corner show is you've kind of taken, I guess, a renewed focus on special teams this year. You talked about having it split up the last couple years, but you're kind of taking it back under your, I guess, leadership. Why did you decide to do that, I guess? Um, you know, I think just the, the shape of the staff changes from year to year. And as we as we added some coaches and had some staffing changes over the years, we want to give other guys an opportunity to do things. Um, we've got a, a lot of staff continuity right now, and some of those offensive coaches that had taken some of those roles, their, their roles are growing within our offensive room and they're they're taking on more game planning responsibilities. They needed to be freed up. Uh, we're in a groove on defense. We've had consistency now with our staff for quite some time. We don't we don't change things rapidly year to year and week to week. Um, so I, I just felt like, and Kalani felt like it was appropriate for me to get back involved um, just in, more in each phase of the special teams. I had been doing the last couple of years just more of the coverage teams of a kickoff and punt and now uh, get back involved in the return teams. Does it feel nice to know that you have two established guys in your specialist positions, both kicker and punter? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and, and for that matter, our, our punt returner, kick returner, snappers, holders. I mean, we, we, we're not breaking in any new specialists this season. That's a great feeling. Who, and I guess the last thing here, who is going to be your, is it, is it Hobbs at punt returner, I would assume. Is that right? Yes. And then who's going to be the kick return, I guess the tandem back there? Yeah, that's Hobbs. Uh, we're, yeah. Yeah, that'll be Hobbs, Lopini Katoa, and um, Talmadge Gunther. And what did, what did the, I guess, because you and I have talked about this, kick returns being kind of phased out of football, yeah. it feels like in many ways. Is there still a way to take advantage of that? Absolutely. I think, uh, so the best kickoff return teams, we, we uh, Kalani and I actually did a study together here this last offseason. The best kickoff return teams, both the NFL and the NCAA right now, are ones that don't return a lot of kicks. They're waiting on uh, ideal balls, and, and whether that means a lot of wind in the kicker's face to, uh, that sets up a good return that way, or just a kicker that's not putting it very deep and high, one that can't quite put it in the corner. But with the rule changes and the fact that the kicker's legs are getting stronger and stronger, the idea of returning it out of the corner, you know, from deep in your own end zone, that just it's just not there anymore. There's too much hang time. Uh, the, the coverage teams are too fast, and the rules have they continue continually bend toward the uh, toward the the away from kickoff return, you know, away from the, the the kickoff phase in general. I think the the sport would like to see it be a touchback environment, and uh, they're rewarded uh, more and more over the years. Teams that kick touchbacks and uh, or or force fair catches with extreme sky kicks, and so we just we just need to be as prepared as we can be. It might be opportunities on the season to have a great kick return, and I think the challenge is being prepared for those moments. There you go, Ed Lamb, and interesting, I don't know if it cut out, uh, by the way, audio-wise, if it did, just to kind of clarify that last point, he says in kick return, he believes there are between five and six really, quote, good opportunities in a given season for a decent kick return. Think about that. That's one every two games on average. I think it's just crazy to consider. And I know some people out there, I've had conversations with folks and I've wondered it myself if, if you can really uh, get more of an advantage with return and that type of stuff. But as you heard him talk about the fact, it's more about uh, finding the advantages when you have that opportunity to get a good return. As he said, they're kind of legislating where they want to reward you for those touchbacks, both kicking team and receiving team. So I... I guess uh, if you're banking on BYU's kick return unit being a quote-unquote game changer for BYU, I would, uh, I guess, 
say don't necessarily count on it. That's the biggest thing. Uh, other notes I took away from that was good to hear that Ammon Hanneman has really settled into his role, but uh, also that Micah Harper, as you heard him say, expect to see Micah Harper a lot this season. I think BYU's top four tandem at safety right now, just uh, looking at the depth chart and based on the conversation with Coach Lamb, is you got Malik Moore and Ammon Hanneman who are going to be your starters. They'll be out there for the very first snap against USF, but behind them, Hayden Livingston's probably going to be the guy behind Malik Moore, and then you'll also see Micah Harper with a guy like Kalen Al free as well as Ethan Slade probably being the threes behind the other the, the twos in both Harper and Livingston so there's a nice crew at safety for BYU I think there's some athleticism there there's a lot of good experience guys like Malik Moore Emin Hanman got very valuable experience and kind of burst onto the scene a year ago and sure looks like there there's some positivity for BYU from coach Lamb with regards to the back end of this defense and in theory, uh, I'm just uh, I'm trying to uh, stay positive on the defense because I've still got my concerns about just how much they'll be able to do in this game. But I think the back end of BYU's defense is going to be a real strength for for the Cougars, uh, barring injury. I think the cornerback unit, I think the safeties, I think they should all be uh, pretty well stocked and should at least on that side of things, defending the pass, that type of stuff, uh, they should be. I think fairly good. All right, uh, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with a couple of notes. A big opportunity to support and and honor those who lost their lives on 9-11, something that BYU's done annually for the past few years. We'll talk about that, as well as some notes on BYU basketball. I had an opportunity to speak with some people who are more in the know about the Cougar Hoops program, the men's program in particular. Uh, pass along those notes. I've had a few of you reach out and say, Jake, what's going on with the BYU basketball program? We'll share that with you right now as we continue on on Locked On Cougars. Want to remind you guys, make sure you check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube or in the regular podcast form wherever you get your podcasts online. Josh Neighbors does a great job making sure you are up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Like I said, get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts or just check it out right here on YouTube if you happen to be watching the show. All right, before we go on today's show, I want to pass along this. The Tower Climb, it's an event to remember the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, it takes place at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's going to... BYU Athletics are going to host that. It'll be Saturday, September 10th at 8 a.m. It honors the lives lost in the attacks of September 11, 2001. Participants will climb 2,071 steps, representing the 110 stories of the World Trade Center, paying tribute to the first responders who climbed all of those steps, sacrificing their lives to save others. Uh, anybody is welcome to do this. There will be obviously first responders, police, firemen, paramedics. They'll be in this. They'll be in uniform and gear. But you can uh, obviously participate if you're just a uh, and anybody like like myself, you can go out and do this. It's a really, really cool event that'll be taking place, like I said, September 10th, uh, right ahead of the Baylor game, the home opener. If you want to uh, take part in that. All right, a couple of the notes uh, for you guys on the BYU basketball program. I had a few of you reach out and say, Jake, I, I would like to get an update on what's going on with BYU men's basketball. So I had a conversation with some folks. I'm actually uh, pulling up the text message I got on this. Uh, it sounds like both Jackson Williams, the transfer from Arkansas, as well as Rudy Williams, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, they're doing really well early on in these workouts. And this is just a workout period for BYU basketball. There's nothing formal going on. There's still, I think, 70-plus days or Actually, maybe sooner than that. But they still got a little ways until the season actually begins before they begin their quote-unquote training camp, getting ready for the season. But it sounds like the two transfers in Rudy Williams and Jackson Williams are... Uh, Jackson... Uh, yeah, Jackson Williams. I forget. Did I say Jackson? Uh, Rudy Williams and Jackson Robinson. Man, I am just screwing up names here left and right. But both of them are fitting in very, very well. The other thing uh, that I'm seeing this tax message is... This text message says that both uh, Dallin Hall and Richie Saunders, two return missionaries to the BYU basketball program, uh, they are 
have come in as true freshmen coming off missions and have looked actually quite adept at fitting in with this BYU team. I still have my reservations that the interior for BYU's uh, front court with, rega- with regards to just the overall depth. Can Atiki Ali Atiki be the def- defensive force that BYU truly will need him to be without getting into foul trouble? It's going to be a great question. I think BYU's versatility with this lineup, though, is going to be its calling card because they can go small. They can go big, and that's something I think Mark Pope has endeavored to really make a hallmark of his BYU squads, just the ability for them to play any way that they need to. And I I think last season uh, pointed to some glaring issues, especially in the shooting department. That's what a guy like Rudy Williams, who shot 45% from three a year ago, that's what he's going to bring to the table for BYU this year. I'm expecting guys like Noah Waterman to come in his capability of playing on the perimeter and in hopes that he can slide down on the interior and defend because he's all a six foot ten, six foot eleven. He's got the ability to play out to the three point line, but he's also going to, have to be able to defend on the interior. I, I really like the versatility of the squad, and that was kind of expressed to me uh, with this. The, the other thing about this is is going to be that uh, BYU they need to make sure that they are. Uh, shooting the ball at a high percentage, as I mentioned, but at the same time, able to slow down opposing teams defensively. Think about what happened last year. BYU's inability to hit threes consistency was absolutely critical, and in critical moments, it seemed like BYU's squad just had collective meltdown moments. Think about that Pacific game in particular. There were just moments where I was like, what are, what are you doing here? Like It's just baffling. Baffling decision-making at times for the BYU Cougars, uh, the men's basketball program, but it sounds like the earlier returns uh, for the transfer portal, the guys coming into the program and the guys coming home off missions, that type of stuff. Sounds like those guys are fitting in well. Guys like uh, Fusini Traore, you know that he's a proven commodity. He's going to be a big part of BYU both offensively and defensively. I actually think in many ways, Fus might be uh, more impactful offensively this year than he was even a year ago. He's going to take on more of that scoring load. He became, I think, the de facto number two option offensively for BYU last year. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He goes to another level this year offensively for the BYU basketball program and be a very welcome addition to this lineup. So just a couple of notes on the BYU basketball f- basketball front, but it sounds like, yeah, Jackson, Robinson, and Rudy Williams, if I can get their names straight, they're both standing out as well as the return missionaries, Dallin Hall and Richie Saunders. Uh, I would ass- I would assume that they'll continue to uh, build on this. I I the one thing about this is I, I don't like necessarily looking ahead to basketball because football season, it's my favorite thing in the entire world. I love college football. But this basketball squad for BYU, it holds a lot of intrigue. And I, for one, uh, am looking forward to seeing how they look in November when they tip off the season down at the Marriott Center. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. A big thank you for all of your support, as always. You guys are the absolute best. Uh, thousands of you downloading and watching the show on a day-to-day basis. Leave us comments, ratings, and reviews. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, like the show, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave us comments in the comments section. If you're w- listening to this on the regular podcast providers like Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Those five-star ratings are absolutely critical uh, to, as we continue to build this audience and a big thank you in advance for your support of doing that. And once again, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Thank you for taking the time to check us out. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. By the way, Clark Barrington tomorrow, folks, so get ready for that. Thanks again for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.